let's go live with Jack Kelly and Sweater Regni, career expert, resume expert extraordinaire. So welcome, Sweater, welcome to the show. How is everything? Oh, thank you so much. Like when someone tells me I'm an expert, yeah, I'll own it. I'll own it. How about that? I'm very bad at accepting that expert title, but I'm a certified career strategist and yeah. resume strategist and nice. founder of CEO of Teach and Do, where my clients hmm. are being taught and then they actually go and do it themselves. So when you say that, what do you mean by that? And, and I think also, don't you specialize in people who are immigrating to Canada? And you help them out as well. Is that is that a big piece of it, or just one small part of what you do? One small part of it, okay. but absolutely, I I help these immigrants who are migrating to U.S. and Canada, such as me. I migrated mm -hmm. to Canada so many years ago from U.S. as well when my husband got laid off mm -hmm. from there. So I came into Canada. So I do like have certain clientele in U.S. as well and in Canada now. So I do teach them how do you go from surviving to thriving careers as uh, immigrant to newcomers in Canada and the U.S. You probably get a lot of you know pleasure and, and nourishment from having somebody come in, maybe they don't even speak the language, and then help them find jobs in, in advance, right? Is that is that something you take a lot of pride in? It's been, I never, that's a great question. I never yeah. thought about that until someone told me that the things that you do, you're not only, you know, working with them when it comes yeah. to career strategy, you're teaching them the skills they were lacking back home, like communications and confidence. I never thought about it until someone else brought that on me. And I was like, that's all right. Because people born here, went to top universities, are not getting the dream role and I am teaching immigrants and newcomers mm -hmm. how do you live the Canadian dream and sometimes I do get um, you know um, very emotional about it it's Canadian dream is possible for immigrants like us and especially newcomers and um, you know it's been an inspiring journey actually after quitting the corporate world. Yeah, it, that's great and in addition to you know that cohort that you're helping out you also have advice for people who are in the office, you know, whether Canada, the US or wherever, and how do you advance within your career? How do you grow? How do you navigate how do you navigate office politics? So maybe we could start with like, what would you say to people now where here in the US, I, I don't know as much about Canada, but here in the US, hiring for white collar professionals is kind of flatlining. It's very slow, very clunky. There's been as you know, tons of layoffs in the tech sector and other sectors. So there's a fear. What would you suggest if, if to somebody who's in the office or working remotely to get noticed and to navigate the politics to get a raise and promotion? That's a great question. And I remember, um, I mean, I got laid off too, right? Long time mm -hmm. ago. And that's when I started to look into that, uh, the environment of, how does one wants um, one bounce back? And I think right now bouncing back is completely different than back in 2017 because I was not targeting remote um, role at all, but I was leading remote uh, team who were not working from home per se, 
but then they were working in a different province. I had two kind of team, right? And um, we did allow some of the members to work from home as well when there was a time, there's a need. And um, I was allowed to work from home as well, but I was one of the first that would say, like, I would never work from home, never, <laughs> ever, right? And now how the situation has changed. Now I'm working from home, office, consulting through Teach and Do, and I can't see myself going back to work, right? I think the, this pandemic has given us so much self-reflections of who you are and what kind of people you really want to be surrounded with. Like, you know, is it going to be the people who are going to be in office talking about water cool, like talking about what's going to happen? Because sometimes I do miss that, the water cooler talk, yeah, right? Because you will miss out a ton if you're working in remote area and then you're not able to go there face-to-face have that meetings with the executives or your managers and you're missing out sometimes so there's a strategy um and yes there's a proximity bias as well right and we talk about it all the time FaceTime is in need but it depends on um I think your privilege to be honest where you are in the career so if you're new obviously you want to make sure that you build that lot of relationship face-to-face that's my kind of thing that I'm looking at it because your brand's going to be built not online but then you want to go in there and build in the relationship in person if you do have that opportunity but I think the flip side of that would be the leadership team really needs to understand that just because people are not committing to work or people are not available for face-to-face meeting um are they the bad fit? Because this is where the leadership um, skills comes in as well, right? So the biases comes in. When the next promotion comes in, who is getting that promotions? Is it people with a lot of FaceTime, happy hours, executive connections, you know, networking, water cooler talks, smokers club, golf club, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it people who are really doing what they are doing on remote, but coming up with a great productivity, right? So at the end of the day, um, it all matters to like productivity, in my opinion, and what kind of employers and bosses you're surrounded by. So what I'm hearing, there's not like one answer, you know, yeah. where in this debate, remote in office, it really depends upon your situation and then how you navigate yourself to get noticed. Like, what would you suggest to people to either home or in the office to get noticed so that they can get the cool assignments, they can get the promotions, the raises? particularly if it's harder and longer to find, to search for a job. So in the interim, you know, they could try to advance internally. Great question there. And I think it all depends on the culture the leadership team has set as a, mm-hmm. um, as something that it's, it's going to be um, standardized for everybody. So for example, me, when I was leading the team, I had a remote team and I, I did get the feedback from the remote team they don't get a lot of attention. They don't really know what's going on down in Toronto, right? And I had, I came up with the idea of, okay, every day we're going to have a team huddle. So everybody gets to speak in a team huddle on team meeting, like remote and together. And the next thing we introduced was we had a team chat and we'll be putting the team chat and everyone is talking in the chat. There's no private thing going on. Any questions, it's there. So team felt like they were engaged as well. So, and then we're going to have one-to-one with everybody every week, right? Even though you are not in the office, there are things they can do as a leader to make them 
feel that they are heard. They are part of the group. And especially it's really hard when you're training, when you're trying to onboard the new people. And I've been in the situation where I'm like, what do I do the uh, how do I do the training, right? I don't have the same tools for people in-house face-to-face versus remote. So I, as a leader, it's my responsibility to come up with things that works for my direct reports. So there's no one size fits all. Some people are very good at learning remotely. Some people are not. And this is where I think first 60 days is very important to have that good onboarding process, especially for a new hire. Now, I think when you're at that level where you're privileged, you already have given your result and your managers know you, you don't have to work extra hard. And that only comes down after you built the strong relationship, you produce the results, you meet all the KPIs and exceeded it, because now your brand is carrying it over. As, as a new hire, sometimes, especially as a POC, person of color, you really have to work hard to go out there and say, I'm the right fit. And after that, uh, whether you are going to the office or not, it does not matter, I think. Again, it depends on the culture of the company and the manager's expectations. So try to understand expectations from the management side. Does your manager like that, like face-to-face? Some of the mm-hmm. managers do not like it. It's it's a, Manager's job is not to just chat with the direct reports all the time. They have like so many things going on as well, right, that they need to work on because think about it. Who you want to be in future, it's not your manager's responsibility because your manager is trying to be that person as well, right? They're trying to get the promotion as well. They're doing exactly the same thing, which is getting ahead in the executive level. Next promotion comes in, then they're going to put their name on their hat as well, right? So if you start to support your manager's vision, you're going to be automatically probably selected for the next promotion if you make them look good. And what your manager wants, it's between you and your manager. Expectation has to be very clear. And the KPIs and net promoter scores has to be measurable goals. It's not like going going above and beyond, but then what's going in above, above and beyond for you might not be the same thing for your manager. Try to understand, can you tell me what's going above and beyond for you, right? Ask for the stats so you can provide the stat and you're not talking about like vague stats, but like hold them accountable later on. And you, if you want that promotions, keep talking about yourself. If you don't, your manager cannot read your mind, especially if you're working remote as well. Keep on having that one-to-one con- you know, conversations anytime you could get it, anytime, but don't be needy at the same time. There's a balance. I love that advice. And just to kind of dial it back to something you mentioned before, and this is going to sound kind of silly or goofy, but what do you think is better or more effective? Is And we've seen these kind of people the ones who are kissing up there to their boss to curry favor or the ones who are just head down, pro, you know, productive, you know, exceed expectations. Do you, have you noticed as a manager that one will rise and the other, or are there two different ways of doing it? Or what do you think? And, you know, I, I don't think it's a person's fault if they're kissing up, right? Yeah. I think they probably know how to manage up. I think it's a leadership's areas of, improvement right there are you liking that and is that person going to be promoted next and you really have to self-reflect as a leader are you doing the right thing right at the end of the day I were I'm very proud of the companies that I've worked in the past where there were career ladder path already defined for us if I wanted to be manager I had to go and prove myself and meet those KPIs and my manager would recommend me I'm ready 
And I would have one-to-one coaching all the time. I would have personal development criteria and we're ready. And next target would be right there. So I've worked on that program, right? So does your company have that? And if you don't, then you got to probably ask, hey, I want to be manager Mm -hmm. someday, a year from now. Can you tell me how do I get there? Is there a career ladder? Because top companies have those ladder. And there's a reason they're top employers, because they really have a good process of promoting people. But am I going to sit here and say there's no politics? All the companies have this skeleton, right? We had it too. There was like water cooler talk, smokers getting promoted, happy hours, people getting promoted, getting the project, right? What did I do differently was started to listen to them, not to add, be a part of the team, trying to just say, how can I help you, right? And getting the projects by saying that. I want to get into the next project. These are the projects I want to get in there. What are you hearing? So try to bond with them. Because sometimes when we feel like these people who are, let's say, smokers, right? We just automatically, no, no, like, you know, I don't want to offend you if you're a smoker, but we automate if the people who are not smoking, we automatically put them on the non-fit category. I don't want to hang out with them, right? You have to hang out with the people sometimes to understand, like, what are they hearing that you're not hearing? Just to hear it out, but don't add anything. Don't be part of drama. You have to be surrounded by those people who are getting information. And that's what I did. I'm not saying I played the politics, but I was listening. And that's how I got nine promotions within 12 like you know, years. But at the same time, it's not hanging around with the smokers and golfers and happy hours, but being there, being visible and asking questions mm-hmm. as well and not adding my negativity in there, right? So just be there. So I like what you're saying. So one of the undercurrents, it sounds like, you have to be bold in your career where you just can't be complacent and wait for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and say, oh, we're going to make you a vice president because that's probably not going to happen. So you have to advocate. It sounds like what you're saying. You really have to advocate for yourself and get out there and get in front of people. And if you need help in certain things, as you mentioned, maybe try to get a coach or a mentor to kind of take you to the next level. So, so it sounds one of the ways is to really just be your own champion and just say, hey, I'm not going to wait and depend on anyone. I'm going to make it happen. And then it sounds secondly, what it's what I feel you were talking about is that there are different kind of groups and cliques in any, you know, you know, if, anywhere, you know, socially in the office. So it sounds like what you're saying is, and tell me if I'm wrong, is to kind of you want to just be part of it. You don't have to do things that you don't want to do. If you don't like golf, you don't have to play golf, but maybe watch some golf so you know what it's like. So then you could chat with them afterwards and have a semi-intelligent conversation because you kind of know a little bit about it. So this way you bond with people from all different kinds of walks of life, all different interests. Is that kind of what you're in part you're saying? Yes. And I think we have that tendency of, um, I know it all and I don't want to know more. I keep on mm-hmm. learning, right? For example, what I did was, Um, There was a lunch and learn sessions and I could have literally sat down and said, well, it's my lunchtime. But then there was a sessions where I knew these people are going to be hanging out. I would go and take those sessions. It helped me out later on to build the networking. So I don't have to attend the happy hours. Right. So you can do it within 
the office hours and when that works for you. We had a committee, event committee. So I was part of that where I am literally volunteering within getting paid mm -hmm. as well and building the relationship, right? So if you are not at the privilege, and I understand that you might have kids, you might not stay after hour, you might not attend those meetings. There are things you can do at work set up a lunch, uh, lunch meeting or a coffee chat within the different department, the stakeholders. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you why, what I really did, I feel like I was not thinking I was really doing good, but now I'm reflecting back was, I always had a skip level meeting. So skip level meeting was, I had a boss once he took a credit for my work and I was like, how do I just take that credit back? Mm -hmm. And I started to think, okay, well, I'm not going to go behind his back and vent about him. I'm going to play this game, whatever he's playing, which is I'm going to go have a meeting with his boss next time. Right. And then I'm going to showcase what I worked on it without putting my bosses, like, you know, throwing him under the bus. So I said, you know, that project that I was working on it, that, you know, this um, person sent it to you, I was specifically working on these ones. So what are your thoughts on it? Do you have any feedback for me, right? And I would love to take your feedback and how I can go and modify this. And that's when the boss's boss knew that I did the whole thing, right? I didn't even throw my boss under the mm -hmm. bus, right? So take a credit for it because you have no idea sometimes what your bosses are telling behind your back, because we as a manager, I've like, you know, managed team for over a decade. We talk about you, who is going to be on that next promotions. We have a talent pool. We put people on that bucket. So when next promotion comes in, are you the right fit? So are you confident um, that your boss is really putting your name forward or I, the boss is just telling you, yo, you're good for next promotions, mm -hmm. but you're never getting get that promotions. Your boss's responsibility is not to promote you. Remember that. It's your responsibility to go out there and speak out. And the skip level meeting helped me a lot. And I also asked those CFOs and I asked senior manager, how do I get there? Right? Like, you know, do you see me as that? Right? Do you see me as the next uh, potential leader for this team? Be very specific. And if you don't, then what do I need to do to get there? Put them on a spot because it's your right, right? Because your perception matters. What are the perception your boss is giving out to you, their leaders? We all talk. And I don't know if, you, if you've done that before, mm -hmm. but we've always had the perception about people. And how many times, Jack, like you've heard about people so much that when you meet, when you meet that person in like in, in person, you're like, I already know, like in a bad or good things, right? Or like, you're already building that uh, like perception. You've not even talked to that person. That's exactly how it is when it comes to politics at work. So I like what you say, I'm just curious for the one you did that skip meeting, what happened to the boss, your direct, but did it go back to that person? Was it uncomfortable or it was, it was fine? No. So what I said to my boss was I gave them a heads up because I knew yeah. everything oh, okay. you tell your boss, okay. everything you tell your boss's boss, his, um, you know, people, you know, it's going to go back down. Right. So yeah. the strategy would be like, Hey, I'm doing the skip level meeting with uh, this person um, next week. And I'm starting to do that. It's for my own personal development, build a relationship with the upper level. I just wanted to give you FYI. What is he going to say to me? Don't do it. Yeah. So the people like the bosses who yeah. are really micromanager who do not want you to move up in the ladder or something, they would have insecurity, right? They would be like, why are you doing this? Right. But how your boss is going to handle that matters as well. Now, you know, your boss is never going to be on your side, right? 
So I got moved up on the ladder most of the time because I had a, like a lot of great bosses as well. And I had a couple of bad bosses too, but I knew how to navigate around mm-hmm. it because I started influencing the influencers and then I no longer needed my boss's approval, right? So you got to build that brand with the boss's boss where they are the one who are vouching for you saying that. Swither is ready. I've already talked to her about it. Why is she not in this room, right? I got invited to the meeting because I knew next project was coming up. And I told their bosses saying, I think I'm the great fit for that project. Can you put my name in the room full of opportunity? They're like, yeah, because the, my branding was already there. Keep that in mind. I didn't have to work hard on it, right? So you have to have that branding strategy already before you get the buy-in from the other influencer mm-hmm. right there. So you come across as a very self-confident person, very motivated person, very driven. What would, what would you say to people who are a little bit maybe introverted, a little shy, or, or don't possess that self-confidence to do the things you're talking about? How, how can they push themselves to do all the things to get noticed, to get attention, and to get that raise and you know, come, you know, higher salary, all that kind of good stuff? That's a great question. And you probably see me as outgoing right now, Mm -hmm. but I was not here, Jack, at all. I was an immigrant newcomer in Canada. I did the survival jobs and then I got into the entry level in the banking industry. I was just putting results. I was top sellers all the time. They could see my stats and everything. And one day they came back to me when I got promoted multiple times in the different level. One day management came back to me and said, I think you're giving me a right fit for the leadership role. And I was like, no, I don't see myself as a leader. A, I I don't, I was not born here in Canada. Mm-hmm. B is English is not my first language. And everyone I see them is like, oh, they can talk so good. I, I can never imagine myself presenting it in the meeting, speaking in the meeting, let alone leading the meeting, right? And I was just putting my head down, doing my work until someone else recognized that in me, I think I'm a, I'm like, I'm going to be a leader. Mm-hmm. So here's what I did. I said, I don't think I'm the right fit, but here's what I'm willing to do because I don't want to fail. I don't want to disappoint you. And there was the project that was given to the people that was a career ladder where whoever wants to go that go to that route, you now are leading the new hire team for a couple of months and literally being a manager right? Like you're by yourself, your coaching will train you and the senior management trained me, senior leader trained me. And she coached me, she mentored me. And she's like, I think you're going to be very good at coaching. And I've seen you. And I was still not confident. I was still not speak up. I was just hearing other people's. And later on, I started speaking up for myself in the meeting when I thought that, okay, now I want to be leader. How do I get ahead as a POC? Because Everyone out there who did not look like me, who did not sound like me. And my strategy was when I'm in the meeting, even though I was an introvert, trust me when I'm telling you that I, I, my heart would beat in the meeting mm-hmm. when I'm speaking up. And because of language barrier as well, I had to translate my language into the English language in the board meeting. And sometimes I would not even make sense. I wanted to say one thing. And by the time it came yeah. out, it was totally different <clears throat> thing. I would rather not speak at that time. So then I started practicing my questions. I wrote it down. And I never, one mentor told me, if you want to be leader, never leave meeting without providing solutions 
want solutions and tell them that you can do that. You can take care of that. That was my life lesson. Any meeting I went to, I didn't speak up, but I knew that when I'm going to speak up, I'm going to provide them solutions. They're going to think about me when I leave. And that's a strategy I did it. I didn't have to speak all the time, right? And then as an introverted person back then, I send them an email later on. That was the mm-hmm. best one. You know, I said this. What are your thoughts on it? I would love to catch up. Because as a person who's not comfortable talking in front of people, what helped me was one-to-one private time, right? And I think a lot of introvert clients that I coach my client as well, they really thrive in that environment where they are like reaching out on LinkedIn, networking information interviews. Now they're not face-to-face. If anything has worked in pandemic for introvert is this, where it's remote. You don't have to see people and you don't have to speak in front of people. And introvert has a brilliant strategy. They're a very good listener. And I feel like they don't realize how much strength that is. So it really seems like you took the path of, I'm going to hunker down and just do what I have to do and just keep going at it, going at it, going at it until people start recognizing that I'm exceeding expectations. I'm knocking it out of the park. And then the opportunities start coming to you. And then when that happens, it sounds like you get that more confidence and then you get more confidence and then you work even harder because you're like, hey, I think I'm onto something now. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you keep you know, growing and developing your career. Absolutely. And the one thing is, you know, it's a leadership skills that people have it too. So your mm-hmm. boss, when your boss knows that you're an introvert, there's like introvert, there's an extrovert, extrovert in meeting, it's all extrovert talking about it, like introvert just listening. As a boss, you know, the person is going to be introvert, right? Ask them question directly. Hey, what are your thoughts, right? Don't just listen to extrovert only. That's your responsibility to make sure that everyone gets engaged. And later on, said it note to them, you know, I haven't heard from these many people. I would love to get your feedback, right? So as your boss, that's your responsibility that you reach out privately as well and one-to-one and bring it up in a coaching session as well. That's what you should be doing. So I think it goes both way. Introvert are someone, they have a lot of strength, but they don't want to shine out in publicly. But as a boss, you need to make sure you still give them that air time privately. That's in my opinion. On the flip side, being a manager and a boss, I don't know if this happens in Canada, but for the last, let's say 2001, during the great resignation time period, you had all these memes and TikTok things where, you know, act your wage, you know, bare minimum Monday, quiet quitting, all that kind of stuff. As a manager, what would you do when you, if you're overseeing these people and you see that they're just kind of cyber loafing and they're just coasting through the day and you know they could do much more. How do you kind of light a fire under them to get to get them energized and engaged? A great question there. And I think I have personally reflected as the manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, I came from the very tough environment where it's aggressive target. It's a banking environment, Jack, right? It's cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Everything is measurable. <laughs> Everything is recorded. You can't just tell me you can't sell this. You can't just tell me like this didn't happen because I can pull the data from the workforce team, right? right? So as a manager. So I led high performing team all the time. And um, 
I was holding the carrots to my team members saying that if you give me this, you're going to be the next person getting this project, right? Because I have to now go to my manager and say, well, why the person is ready? Because the person is really giving me high productivity. I had a very good transparent process was like, you give me this KPI, next promotion is going to be your, no ifs or buts, right? As long as your attitude is good, as long as you have that skills, you know, you will go through that career uh, path planning. So I think what's happening with the trending, honestly, I can't believe I'm saying that. I think we're holding the managers like me accountable. Mm. So, I mean, stop being tough on people, right? Sometimes let them slack off because in eight hours, sometimes there's going to be low days. Sometimes there's going to be like, you know, aggressive days. It's going to balance it out. As long as the people are doing, the works are getting done. Why are you micromanaging? And I have to micromanage some of these slackers in there, but I don't think they're slackers. It's the way that, you know, it's just the way the industry works. And sometimes you have to manage it so that way there's no biases and discrimination. So if people are not showing up and shift and there's a matrix that I have to issue them the warning, verbal notifications, warning and terminations, right? If I'm not working that out with them and finding out why are you being late all the time, there's a client's waiting for you, right? Like, you know, if I'm not seeking to understand why that's happening and trying to find the root cause, that's on me. I can't just issue the warning left and right, right? Why are you doing bare minimum Monday, right? What is it we can do to fix this so you don't do that, right? Or is it the right reason? Am I stretching your goal out? Is there really aggressive targets? In Canada, there are five top banks. They were um, audited for aggressive banking, unethical sales, right? I come from that industry where there's a lot of unethical sales happening because we, as a manager, we put so much pressure on people. And honestly, I'm glad that they're speaking up right? They're like, enough is enough. Labor abuse, unethical mm-hmm. sales, bullshit target, right? And I love that trending. <laughs> I'm like, go ahead and quiet quit, man, yeah. because quiet quitting is something that you've earned it because you're going to give them exactly what you paid for. You're not going to go above and beyond if you don't know what above and beyond means to you, right? And I think I'd be a different manager if I were to lead the team right now than where I was uh, before. As a leader, we need to self-reflect as well. How do you manage the team? Sometimes we're not trained. This is a little outside of like what we're we're talking about, but hearing you speak about your your experience as a manager, do you feel sometimes like, hey, maybe I know I'm an entrepreneur, I love being an entrepreneur, but maybe I want to go back to a corporate setting or no you no, like no, I can, i'm done i'm done really? i feel like because you're, oh. you're so passionate when you're talking about it you're so excited about it like no. i was wondering huh no uh, it's, never no. i think no. i think you know i i don't i i don't i felt it that i'm very good at consulting um and some of the things that i've like you know worked in the past was telling how it is no sugar right. coating right and um we are always trained as a leader you got a sugar coat yeah. and motivate sandwich method when you're doing the coaching <laughs> good bad and yeah. good right so i can't deal with that yeah. so that's why i refuse to be known as career coach i'm not going to ask you a question hey tell me more about this i'm, I'm going to tell yeah. you that's why i'm a consultant and strategist right so i can't see myself managing the team in corporate world at all because i don't feel i'm i'm, I'm going to go there again and do these things I, I call them out all the time, Jack, on my post, yeah. right? Like, you know, this doesn't work. I'm on the employee side now. As a strategist, similar to, let's say, a recruiter, it's you're kind of the canary in the coal mine because people are coming to you with problems and issues and maybe they're laid off. You know, maybe, you know, they feel like got a lowball offer. In your practice, 
what are you seeing? Are you seeing any specific types of people coming over to you? People in between jobs or people who want to advance in the career? <clears throat> I have a couple of clients who come to me. A lot of them are uh, newcomers who landed mm -hmm. in Canada, very well qualified, right? These people are um, given point system and immigrations. They know it all. They're like leaders. They've done, they work at the top companies around the world and they land in and they're not bouncing back because yes, there is a no Canadian experience rejection barrier in Canada. That's what I'm trying to fight back because I've mm -hmm. seen it on the other end. Right. And the other categories of people that I really work close with are laid off people as well who are having that challenges because I've been in their shoes and I can relate. And the other one is quitting the toxic work because I've quit twice, right? So, mm -hmm. so these three categories and uh, people who are not getting uh, career promotions who are being overlooked on it because I've walked their stories. I was there mm -hmm. once and I'd like to work with the similar client base where I can feel their pain uh, where I can go back and say, hey, I've, I've been you and here's what I've done it, right? I can handhold them. And these are the clientele. Normally, they actually reach out to me. And I have, um, when I'm taking intake meeting with the clients, like and when I'm asking them, how did you get hold of me? They're like, your stories, right? Mm -hmm. Your stories that you share. And that that's that's how they come to me, honestly, from LinkedIn and social media. And some from TikTok. I was shocked. <laughs> Well, you do a lot of TikToks, right? I see it all the time. Yeah, I hop on the trend. Like when media approached yeah. me on TikTok, when I started to do the trend, I'm like, oh my God, media approaches, you want TikTok? Oh, is that what happened? They reached out and said, hey, oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Like it was funny, like Daily Mail picked, to, uh, picked my TikTok video and say, career experts sweat their reg me. And I had, mm. I think, two or 3,000 followers there on TikTok back then. I was like, I'm an expert now on Daily Mail. Okay, I'm going to hop on the trend. So I started hopping on there. Well, that's awesome. So, like, so to go back to where you say some people like in between jobs, and I know you shared a lot of that information, but is there like for the people watching this now or then when we put it on replay and and, you know, show it on other social media sites. Is there kind of a how-to guide to say, okay, I lost my job. Here's what I need to do to just get my head back together, to get my act together and start moving forward. Yes, I do have. So I'm glad that you asked. Yeah. Um, it's the laid off. Um, how do you bounce back? Seven steps of layoff journey that I put it out there based on what I did, based mm -hmm. on um, how I've worked with the clients. I put it there even in fact LinkedIn actually featured that on top news as well a couple of times and I was also invited uh, for the special layoff survivor uh, episode on Hello mm -hmm. Monday podcast on LinkedIn news um, as well so that's been that's one of the top blog posts that I have I didn't think that so and I think a lot of feedback where people are thinking about I lost my job, like whether you're laid, laid off or where, where you got fired, they can, I mean, term layoff is layoff. It feels nice, but if, like technically speaking, we're, we've been fired, right? Like <laughs> what I mean, but like, yeah, without the cause, well, layoff, they didn't want us. Uh, roles were eliminated, right? So, but the term layoff feels nice than getting fired. So that's a blog that I have. It also talks about how do you talk about the career gap? 
how do you talk about that on a resume with a sample? I have a YouTube video as well in there. And I also have, how do you talk about that gap in emotions when it comes to going in the interview when you're really not healed as well? And I think I've gotten really good feedback from those people who've been in that shoes. And I think um, people can look into it. What, what are some of like the toughest ones that you have to deal with? Like if people who are just, they're kind of broken, you know, because let's say you're working, you're doing great, you're making a lot of money, and then it comes crashing down. And I've seen these as a recruiter when I speak to people, and you could just feel they, they've lost their confidence, they, they've lost their self-esteem. And then when they go to interview, it doesn't go well, because the interview feels that. Do you see that a lot? Or are you seeing it more now than before, because things are a little tougher? Yes. Um, and I think I can relate to that journey. When I got laid off, yeah. I had done so much already that I felt like I knew it all. I can just quickly bounce back. Yeah. And I was working with a top company. I knew what I was talking about. And I think um, I'll be very blunt here. Sometimes yeah. we don't self-reflect enough to find out who we are. Uh, we're not clear, especially when you worked on the top with the top companies, you've done it all. You kind of feel like there's nothing to learn. I know it all, right? What are these new people now? I know it. I've been in the industry for so long. And I think that's something I really had to check my ego at the door, put it out the door. And I started to develop the plan, which is one size does not fit all, which I teach in my program. And I think the clarity is the key here. Whether you want to get promotion, Jack, or whether you want to bounce back, the clarity is number one key, the foundations, what industry, what title. You cannot be expert on one, like, you know, five different titles. And that's what I was navigating around, right? And then when you get rejected, you mm -hmm. just feel that, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm rejected for so many things. Are you applying for the right role? Are you qualified for the role, right? And stop hearing those people who are going to say, shoot the shot anyway, because they're not the one who's going to deal with the consequences. You are the one. So stop applying for the role and asking for give me the chance. No, you're not going to give anyone's chance in your house if the roof is broken, are you, right? Stop listening. So you know what you're capable of, but you got to bounce back the right way, right? And I think that's where I was at. So one, once I figured it out, then my self-doubt became like, okay, I'm not feeling that anymore, Right. And I started building the brand and a lot of us, including me, when I lost that job, mm. Jack, in one minute over the phone, I thought I lost everything. I thought that I'm nobody. Like I lost that job title and I felt like I'm nobody. Nobody's mm. going to want me. And I think we associate ourselves so much with the job title. Mm. That's a major mistake that I did it, that I forgot how like I'm going to wake up tomorrow. What's my mission? What was the impact I was making? Then I started volunteering, going to the food bank, going to the remote village and teach. And I felt like I love to do this. You know, this is who I am. And that's when I founded this teach and do because I love to teach and I love to coach. And that was the best part about my job. When people, 80% of the people were promoted within one year, I was known for it. I know I'm good at this, right? I've seen the hiring world, right? And I pivoted into consulting. Sometimes you don't have to bounce back. Sometimes you just... Now think about yourself and see, do I really want to bounce back to the same industry or do I want to pivot? And this is the moment for you to self-reflect and find out who you are. And that only going to happen when the worst situation in your life is going to happen. That happened to me. Honestly, 
I wouldn't be saying like right now, if I was not laid off, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't be featured on your Forbes. You would not be yeah. asking me, hey, Swetha, can you write me the content, right? We would not have met. I've met so many great people in the career industry. They're not my competitor. Jack, you and I kind of do the same thing, right? But look how we're talking. It's possible when you really hang around with the people who support you, right? Find those mentors, find those people, learn from them. Don't be jealous about their success. And we're going to be so much better with the self-doubt and rejections. You know, I'm so glad you shared your story because oftentimes someone loses their job and they not only do they not learn from it, but they just, just fall into this depression or just despondent. But it sounds like what you did, you it was an inflection point. We said, wait, maybe I could go back to the corporate world into banking. But then given some time, you realize, wait a minute, maybe this was a sign. And this sounds like woo-woo kind of stuff, but I do believe this. Sometimes it's a sign, you know, that like maybe it was meant to be that I'm not going to be this corporate drone for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe I, you know, my purpose is to do something different and help people and then use that experience that you had to help others succeed. And it's weird how that works, right? Then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what the worst experience was becomes like the best thing that ever happened to you, right? And that's, I find that happens to a lot of people all the time, which is so wild. And we don't celebrate our like, you know, pain so much and we yeah. don't share it, right? And people need to hear it. And I bounced back. I got the mm. offers. I moved to the different city. I did the branding and then I pivoted to the nonprofit. I bounced back in bank and yeah. I quit within one year. I quit two jobs within one year after layoff. And I said, this is not for me. I'm going to go and full time. Then you realize it wasn't so bad. Like, okay, you know, quitting, quit, you know, you know, getting like, oh, we're quitting. You're like, you know what? I'll make something happen. So you had that confidence that I could bounce back, which is so important. Yes. And I was privileged enough, yeah. right? Because my spouse is earning money. So I didn't have to think about it. And I said, yeah. texted him and I said, I think I'm quitting the job today. He's like, really? Okay. Then another one. All right. So then <laughs> I started, I'm going to go teach and do, right? I think I was privileged enough. And a lot of people would still have to be stuck in the quitting, like you're stuck in the toxic environment or if they're not the right fit, right? But that's when you have to have the exit plan. Um, is it the leadership? Is it you? Sometimes you're not the right fit and you have to understand that. Let it go, right? Don't try to fit in because I feel like we are all cultural ad, no yeah. matter who you are, right? If you try to fit in, the true color is going to come out. It's like the marriage. You try to fit in and I've been married for more than 20, like 22 years, right? I mean, if I try to fit in with him, I, we would not be married here like forever. <laughs> you know, we would, not, we would not have teens by now, right? So I think you got to own that. I'm not going to fit in, right? I'm I'm an add to this relationship. You know, so when your husband said about, oh, when you, I, believe it or not, I still have a landline here. I'm like the only one person to have a landline. So go it off. So I. Okay, Jack, I'm not judging. Sorry. Because <laughs> the Wi-Fi here is it's terrible. So I had to get landlines because working remote it just it just was ridiculous it, it would drop all the time it'd be like hello 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 i can't hear you <laughs> so yeah so it's interesting because you, you, your husband mentioned about oh quit again and little haha but you know what what happens is sometimes you have to do that because i've seen so many resumes over the last 25 years right where you know person might have a job for six months then a job for a year then a job maybe a year and a half then another six months and it looks you know, like Swiss cheese. 
and it's hard to find a job. But then the next 20 years, maybe they're like just killing it and just keep getting advancing. And then sometimes it's the opposite. So sometimes it does happen where, you know what, you realize, hey, I'm not in the right place. I don't like it. This isn't a good fit. Why am I going to stay there just for the sake of staying there? And if you're fortunate enough, you have, let's say, money in the bank, your spouse is also working, then you can say, you know what, why should I endure, right? Like this torture of a job that I hate. Let me try something else, which I think, I don't think people talk about that as much, you know? You know, you hear like the phrases quit quite quitting and all that, but saying, you know what, this just doesn't work for me. And I got to just cut it and move on. Right. Yeah, and it, it does like it does yeah. come with a lot of privilege as well, quitting. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think it, your personal needs matter sometimes. And if you're yeah. at that place that you can do it, explore right now before you quit. And is it the money that you want to quit in? Like, you know, would that fix the problem? Talk to your boss before you start quitting. Like, hey, you know, I was thinking about this and I've done this kind of project. Right. Maybe sometimes you have to talk about it, but it's a toxic environment. No money's going to save you. The boss <laughs> yeah. is still going to be there. The bad environments, like you got to find out where you're the right fit as well. Right. And I think, I think a lot of us, we talk about quitters are failure. And I used to think that too. I would never quit. Are you serious? You quit that role. And when I happened to be the one who quit back to back, I was like, damn, I did so right. Like I knew what I wanted. I feel like, oh my God, I would be stuck there miserably. And I would not be here today if I didn't quit it. Because when we hold on to it one day by mm -hmm. time, when we are not the right fit, start looking and forget about what would other people think. I say FOPO, F-O-P-O, like, you know which is uh, fear of other people's um, opinion, right? We're so much into that FOPO mode that we think about, okay, if I quit, recruiter's going to see me as a job hopper. I'm like, yo, it's not their yeah. business. How do you say an interview matters mm -hmm. now, right? Sometimes you have to own it. If I were to go back, I would say, well, you know what? Unfortunately, it didn't work out, right? Like, you know, that's it. You don't have to go into the, open the can of worms. How you talk matters and it's your confidence as well, right? So um, let's just, Let's just leave with full po. Whether you're not getting promotions, quit. That's fine. But then plan the strategy. Speak of strategy. So what's next for you? What what do you, do you what kind of plans do you have? Do you are you launching any projects? Gonna make a big empire? What's 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 next on, on you know the agenda? Um, everyone asks me that question. It's like yeah. when people ask me the long-term questions, and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't want to be here, entrepreneur. I was an accidental right. entrepreneur. I didn't think that I would <laughs> yeah. be laid off in one minute after working there for 12 years, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd be retiring, still working there, right? Yeah. I think I don't have a plan. I live day by day. I have a short-term plan. I recently launched a digital course for my clients where they can go and then um, get things done. Teach mm -hmm. and do it yourself course, which is TIY course. And that's like amazing because now I don't have to worry about one-to-one -one coaching. So that's, that, that was my plan. It's been launched. Extremely proud of it that I've done that. And I've, I, I'm planning to like, you know, launch uh, the masterclass um, and I'm opening the group coaching sessions now, group sessions, mentoring sessions um, exclusively for the immigrant, because I think there's a need. Mm -hmm. Um, there needs to be pool of immigrants who are going through the same journey in Canada and US and I'm launching that as well stay tuned and that's it I'm not gonna go think about oh my teaching do building is gonna be like you know 10 stories up in downtown I'm gonna <laughs> hire people because I've been there done that I think yeah. I love being solo entrepreneur and just hiring a freelancer 
hiring mm-hmm. X work, let's say, where I can learn. I'm at that age where I don't want to be smart, warm in the room at all. I want to learn. I think it's over 40 issues with me right now because I don't want to be smart. I want to learn from people. I want to be surrounded by people who motivate me to be like them, inspiring people who tells me anything is possible. Look at me right? I think the situation has changed. Before it's like, I want to be the smartest one in the room. I want to get that promotions, right? Now it's like, no, no, I want to be someone I want to learn from you. It's interesting. One of the reasons why I do these LinkedIn lives and uh, hosting the Blind Ambition podcast is you get to speak with people like yourself who are really smart, motivated people. And I always walk away learning so much. You know, know, there's not one conversation that I had that I didn't come across where I have to right away write down, like, okay, here's some notes that I learned. And it's great because it used to be everybody's in person, you see each other, now you don't. So this is a great means, you know, to, to, to meet people, you know, on Zoom calls or what have you, and just learn. So like you all, you only get your own coach and your own mentor, your own, you know, sponsor to help out, you know, just by having a conversation and picking up so much. And so we covered a lot. Is there anything I didn't ask you about or anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I'm good. And I think we covered it so much. We covered about like, how do you bounce back? We covered about Mm -hmm. promotions, having that skip level meeting. If you've not had it, I have an action plan to anybody watching right now. If you want that next promotions, uh, take it like, you know, take it from today. Yeah put that invite in the calendar, the answer is going to be no, if you don't ask, right, you got to go out there and get it if you are thinking. And if you feel like you have to play that nepotism and work politics, and you're not the right fit, don't play that game, quit, Mm -hmm. but have exit plans. So that way, when you quit, you've tried it all, right? Um, Just build a branding. I wish I had done that before layoff. So I was not selling my company on my headline on LinkedIn, selling myself, right? I wish never do that. Uh, build a branding so if they fire you or you're laid off right now especially it's happening it's so easy to bounce back because you have a supporting people supporting recruiter and you already have a brand let your brand speak for yourself and that's how it's done I think this is fantastic I really am so appreciative of you coming on the show because I, I love it. And I imagine everybody who's watching now and be watching the future, your energy, your passion, your drive. And that's one of the takeaways I'm getting from this too, is that you came from a challenging position to kind of learn English and to kind of, you know, understand the culture, but you didn't let it stop. You see, to me, that's a good takeaway for people to see. No matter what, you can have adversity, but you seem to say, you know what? I have adversity, don't care. I'm going to just kind of keep going and going and going and do my best and hunkering down and make things happen and people are going to notice and I'm going to succeed. And I think that's kind of the really thing you, that everyone needs to do when they're feeling a little down to say, maybe watch sweater for a little bit, get that energy boost. Because it's like a definitely an energy, you're very energetic. So it's like an energy boost to say, you know what? I could do this too. And that, that's, that's, that's so important for people. So I appreciate you sharing that message and it, it's going to resonate with a lot of folks. So, so thank you so much, Sweater, for your time. Thank you so much for inviting Thanks. me and it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. Take Jim. care. Bye-bye. Bye.